Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. So today we're in part three of this series called Rooted, talking about growing our roots deep into the Lord. And, And last week... We talked about keys to not just surviving in this season, but to thrive in this season. We want to we want to thrive as we grow our roots deep and deep and deep, deep in the Lord. And we said that in order to do that, in order to thrive, we need to build the wall in front of you. Build the wall in front of you. We're not talking about a border wall or anything like that. We're talking about doing the thing that God put right in front of you. We get this lesson from the book of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah is rallying the people of Israel to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And, he, and the first thing he tells them to do is go build the wall that's right out in front of your house. Go build that section of the wall. Do the thing that God has put right in front of you. Don't worry about that section of the wall down there just yet or that section of the wall down there just yet. We'll get to that. Right now, I just need you to focus of what's right in front of you. Wow. Glory to God. So, so th- that's what we need to do. And, and, and it was a remarkable strategy because what they were trying to do, they were trying to rebuild the wall for almost seven decades, For what they couldn't do in seven decades, Nehemiah came in with this God strategy, and they were able to do it in 72 days. And so I just think, man, what could God do in Seeds Church and through Seeds Church to our community if we would do the thing that's just right in front of us? We would put our hand to the plow. If we'd pick up up the hammer and build the thing that God has put right in front of us, instead of worrying about what's way down the road or what's way over here or what's way over here, let's just do what's here right in front of us right now. Be diligent and obedient to what God's put right in front of us. Build the wall in front of you. The second key to thriving we said last week was we're gonna, we need to learn the God lessons. We need to learn the lessons that God is going to teach us in each season. Too many times the root deepening process um, is, is stalled out because we ignore the lessons that God is trying to show us. We ignore uh, his, his process of sanctification. We resist that sometimes. But what we need to realize is God is trying to teach us something in various seasons. The Holy Spirit's the teacher. He's the one that's making the lesson plans. We're the student. We thrive when we say, just, we just submit and yield and say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to change. I'm willing to be shaped. I'm willing to be molded. I'm willing to be transformed and learn the things, what it is that you're wanting to teach me in this season. Otherwise, you wouldn't have put me here. That's a key to thriving. The third thing we said is, don't rush God's process. You know, God feels no pressure to rush his process of growing your roots. Even when we want to speed things up and we want to hurry things up, God just remains calm. He remains steady. He remains collected. And if God is not in a rush, then we shouldn't be in a rush either. You know, nobody can sprint a marathon. You cannot sprint a marathon. If you want to finish the race, you've got to set your pace. You've got to just 
pace yourself for the long haul. Don't rush. Don't rush the process. Pace yourself for the long haul, not a 100-meter dash. Before we hear what the Lord wants to speak to us today, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray we come to you right now with ears to hear what it is your Spirit is saying to us. I pray that as we read the Scriptures, God, that they come to life. They come to life in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would be, like your Word says, those who hide your Word in our hearts, God. That we would not sin against you. We would not sin against ourselves. We would not sin against our brothers and sisters, but God, that we would thrive, that your word would take deep root, God, that our hearts, our lives would be like rich soil, the good soil that produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. God, that you would use us to establish your kingdom here on earth. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. Every key to thriving in the process requires this same crucial factor, and it's the trust factor. We've got to trust God. Trust is a must. Everybody say that with me. Trust is a must. Trust is a must if we're going to thrive and grow our roots deep in the Lord. So whether you're being faithful to build the wall that's right in front of you, whether you're engaging in the lessons that God is trying to teach you in each season, whether you're you know, taking your time, you're not skipping steps, you're not rushing the process, but you're being patient, you still you'll never do this successfully without trusting God. E- each of these things, and each of them is an act of trust themselves. To just build the wall in front of you and not worry about this thing or that thing is an act of trust. To learn the lessons that God's wanting to show you is an act of trust. To not rush the process is an act of trust. And any of the things that we do to avoid cooperating with God, they are acts of mistrust. When we fall into coveting someone else's assignment, when we fall into resisting God's lessons, when we fall into skipping or rushing the steps, we're trying to promote ourselves, we're actually saying, God, I think I know a little bit better than you. I don't really trust the way that you want to do it. We're going to do it my way. Trust is what's building you through this process. And trust is what's going to get you through the process. Trust has two basic elements. If you're going to want to trust God, you're going to need intimacy and dependency. Intimacy with God and dependency on God. Intimacy and dependency is what Jesus was talking about when he said, I want you to remain in me and I remain in you. Just as he remains in the Father. He wants to develop this ability to walk in deep, unbroken intimacy with him and to depend on him as he trains and empowers us to become trustworthy partners in his work on earth. You know, it shouldn't surprise us that the thing that God wants most for us is also the thing that the enemy is primarily targeting and assaulting in our lives. Every spiritual battle that you face, spiritual warfare, it's all about you the enemy trying to get you to not trust God. 
He's using that same strategy he's been using for thousands of years since the very beginning when he showed up in the garden. The enemy tries to get you to doubt the goodness of God. You know, we sang about the goodness of God today, but the enemy's trying to get you to doubt God's goodness and his trustworthiness. And he's trying to get you to trust something else besides God. That might be yourself, it might be someone else, it might be a different system, it might be your resources, but he's trying to get you to put your trust there instead of God, who is trustworthy, who is faithful. And the enemy is dedicated to convincing us that God is either withholding good things or he's failing to protect us from bad things. And he, what the enemy wants to do, he discovers our deepest fears and longings, and he's exploiting those areas of vulnerability, and he's trying to sow mistrust into our hearts. You know, every time we experience pain, every time we experience disappointment, every time we experience loss or terror, the enemy tells us that God has abandoned us. And the only thing that we can do is just protect ourselves. Every time we, we see some good thing and desire it, the enemy tells us that, you know, we, mu- we must take it instead of letting God give it to us in his time and in his way. The enemy's trying to constantly trick us into mistrusting God, taking matters in our own hands, putting ourselves on the throne of our own life, on the throne of our own heart. Ultimately, really, when you put yourself on the throne of your own heart... <laughs> You're destined for destruction. The powerful thing, though, is is this. God is not intimidated by the enemy. God is not intimidated by the strategy of the enemy. He's not intimidated by the enemy's smear campaign against him. He's not intimidated. God's not even intimidated by our struggle with it. When life isn't going our way sometimes, he knows our deepest fears, God does. He knows our deepest longings better than anybody, better than we know ourselves, more than we are aware of our own selves. And he is supremely confident that these places of weakness and vulnerability are where he can prove himself trustworthy to us. God can do it. That's why sometimes we find ourselves, God leading us sometimes into places of vulnerability where the deep things in our hearts are exposed. And when we, uh, he, he gets to reveal himself to us in those moments as our protector and our provider and the one who feel, fulfills the deepest desires in our life. He's committed to showing us through his process in our lives that we can trust him with the deep things in our hearts because they're also the deep things in his heart for us. Where do you think those things came from? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's not that God gives me just whatever it is that I want. That's not what that verse means. The verse means is that whatever is in my heart is the things that God's putting in my heart. It means my heart is coming into alignment with his heart. I'm delighting myself in the God and my heart is coming into alignment with his heart and God says, all right, now in my timing, I'm gonna fulfill those things that I've put in your heart. How many of you ever heard the saying, little foxes spoil the vines? It's the little foxes that spoil the vines, right? That actually comes from uh, the book of Song of Solomon, chapter two. And and then how about this one? Uh, The the verse in... um, the verse when Jesus said, 
I think it's in Luke, Luke chapter 16, he said, he who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in much, but who, he who is not faithful or unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Now, I might be thinking, well, J.D., what, what does that have to do with trusting God? What does that have to do? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked. The reason I bring up those verses is because those verses are making a, a point to a universal principle. And that universal principle is this. Little is big. Little is big. Lots of little decisions make up to be a big difference. We think to ourselves, well, I don't think I would have a difficult time trusting God, being obedient. If I know that God is going to come to me and he's going to ask me to do something to make a big impact in the world, I think I would trust him. I would be obedient to do that. If God told me, I want you to give a million dollars to the church, or I want you to give a million dollars to this mission project, or I want you to do this, and it's, wow, that's a great cost. But hey, if God asked me to give me, if, if God asked me to give a million dollars, it means I'd have a million dollars to give. So yeah, I think I would trust God to do that. That's great. I'm, that's wonderful. I'm glad you say that. But you can say that all day long. But the breakdown is this. If you won't trust God enough to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory right now today where you are, and you're withholding the tithe and you're withholding offerings because you don't think you have enough, you're not going to get to that point and trust God later. See, little over here is big. you got to trust God in the little things before God's going to trust you in the big things. Thank you. When we trust God with the little things in our lives, it's like we're working our trust muscles so that when God, he comes over and he adds the next set of plates to the barbell, then we can handle it now. But if we've not been working our trust muscles, God can come over and add however much to our plate, and we're not going to be able to lift it because we've not trusted him with a little amount of weight that he's given us to begin with. It's important that we don't ignore the little areas that we have, the little opportunities that we have to trust God. God, God is in the least little things, and we're not going to be able to trust him in the big things if we haven't exercised these trust muscles in the little things. When God reveals an area of weakness in our trust, instead of ignoring it, instead of saying, well, that's not that big of a deal, it's a little thing, we need to pay attention to it, and we can actually then now become stronger by paying attention to it, by confessing it to God and say, God, I need your help in trusting you. I declare you, God, as trustworthy. You're faithful. You're worthy of me trusting in you. I thank you, God, for the opportunity to trust you more, and I ask you for the help, the grace. Please, God, grant me with the grace to be obedient to you and trust you with this. David, we've been talking about David throughout this series. David's journey of trust started when he was a boy tending to sheep in a field. His dad's sheep. 
And we know at this time of his life, David was developing as a skilled musician. This is before he was called on, or not called on, but this is before he, he stepped up to face Goliath. But David had been called on to go minister to King Saul in Saul's court and play the harp for him. And we know that, that David was building trust and building his skill of worshiping before the Lord in the field. And now he's in the, in the king's court and he's playing. And as he's playing, the Holy Spirit falls and the, the demons flee from Saul. The demons that were tormenting Saul flee. What is David doing? He's being faithful in the little. He's trusting God in the little. And now God is giving him more to be trustworthy with. And in the the little place, the place that was unseen, David dedicated himself to building intimacy with God through worship. Remember, we said you can't trust God without intimacy and dependency. And that's what David's doing here in the the little area, the unseen area. He's developing intimacy with God. And we also know that he was learning dependence on God, too, because he's fighting against lions and bears out in the field. And then when the time came, he graduated from the little to the big, and now he's fighting Goliath. But you know what? He was prepared because he had developed intimacy and he developed dependency over here. And now right here little is big 1 Samuel chapter 17 says the Lord this is David he says the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine that is a declaration of David's trust in God it wasn't about him it wasn't like I'm awesome. I defeated a lion. I defeated a bear. I'm going to take this big old boy down. No, it was I've been dependent upon God who helped me, deliver me from the paw of the lion and the bear. Now he's going to deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Later in the story, crazy King Saul is after David. He wants to murder David and take him out. And he's hunting David and his company for years. And David writes this song, Psalm 18. He says, I will love you, Lord. God, you're my strength. The Lord, you're my rock, you're my fortress, you're my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the name of the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Another declaration of trust in God. I'd encourage you at some point this week, go back and read that whole psalm, Psalm 18. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus himself is tested in this area of trust by the devil. He's spending time alone with God, fasting and praying in the wilderness for 40 days. Jesus is building intimacy with communing with the Father, and he's building dependency by emptying himself of his own strength. And Jesus' response to Satan's three offers was, it is written. Jesus quoted the truth of God's word that he trusted. He knew 
you could trust the Father. Basically, Jesus is saying, devil, you're not getting to me because I trust the Father. I'm not going to mistrust him by taking matters into my own hands, by turning these stones into bread. No, I'm going to trust him instead of trusting you or trusting my own ability. And it's in that trust he was able to overcome the temptations of the enemy. Listen, if you want to build unshakable trust in God, if you want to pass all these, these trust tests, you have to let the Lord teach you intimacy and dependency. These are part of the root system and God's work of processing and, and establishing your life. Intimacy Independency. Earlier we said that trust is a must, but also intimacy and dependency is a must for trust. And they come only through personal knowledge of the Father. See, I can sit here and talk to you all day long till I'm blue in the face about the goodness of God and about the character of God and about his trustworthiness and his faithfulness. And yeah, that's gonna build some faith in you and that's gonna charge you up and that's gonna get you going and you're gonna walk out of here feeling really good. But when the rubber meets the road, it's not about what I have said to you, it's about you having experiencing God's trustworthiness yourself, not just hearing it secondhand from me. You have got to build intimacy with God yourself. You have got to be, uh, develop dependency on God for yourself. And teach your children to do this. Teach your kids. Model it for them. But also help start pushing them out of the nest a little bit when it comes to this. Instead of just you praying all the time, you look to your kids and say, I want you to pray now. Let me tell you, they might resist that at first. They might, they might be uncomfortable at first. They might say silly things at first. So what? It's the beginning process of them growing their roots deep into the Lord, developing intimacy and dependency on God, building strong families. David said this in Psalm chapter 9, verse 10. He says, those who know your name will put their trust in you for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. See, knowing God's name means you know him personally and knowing his nature. There are plenty of people out there that they know the name of God and maybe they know all about God, but it's clear that they don't really know God because there's no sign or show of trust. You don't see them Trusting God in their everyday life. You don't see them trusting God in the little things. You don't see them trusting God in the big, big things. And so you know, oh man, you, you know about God, but you haven't developed intimacy and dependency for yourself. You build trust on personal knowledge. That's the only way to true intimacy and dependency. David is in the field. Jesus is in the wilderness and just like them, we must allow God to lead us into a place where we know his voice. Say, I want to know your voice. So don't say it to me. Say it to him. Say, God, I want to know your voice. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, 
Jesus is being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And what Jesus, like I said, he quoted the word of God. He quoted Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, when he faced this enemy. And he told the enemy that the Bible says we don't just live on bread alone. We live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Not only was that true for Jesus as he's wandering through the desert, it's true for us today. We've got to hear his voice. We've got to hear every word as the proceeding from his mouth. Hearing his voice is what's bringing us life. It's what's growing our roots. When we don't hear his voice, or we don't listen for his voice, our hearts and our spirits Go to, they starve. It's like they don't get the, the nutrients. It's like they don't get the water that it needs. We've got to set ourselves up so that we're on purpose, intentionally taking time to tune ourselves into hearing the voice of God. He's wanting to give us strength. He's wanting to give us assurance. He's wanting us to know that he is with us. His voice is the thing that gets us through the process. Guys, I, I live by this. There are a tremendous amount of things that opportunities I could have had in my life. And for some reason, early on, this became solidified in me, maybe in a way I didn't even know how to express it in earlier years. But we've always lived by we're going to do what God says to do. We're going to keep doing that thing until we know God has said, until we've heard his voice to do the next thing. We're going to build the wall in front of us, basically, until God says, go build the next part of the wall in front of us. Because there's all kinds of opportunities that look shiny, shiny objects. There's all kinds of things that are like, oh, that looks good over here. No, I'll do that. But if God didn't tell you to do that, you're going to get over there and you're going to face adversity and you're going to crumble under the weight of it. But if God told you to go over there and do it, and when you face adversity, you can remain standing because you know this is what God has said. This is what, these are the orders from the Lord. He's trustworthy. So even though I'm facing adversity right now, that's okay. That doesn't matter. Adversity doesn't matter right now if I know I have a word from God. And let me tell you, when you get a word from God, don't let the enemy come and rob you. Don't let the enemy come and steal that from you. It's like when the sower, the parable of the sower, and the sower is out there and he's throwing the seed out and then the birds come down and that's the enemy that comes down and steals that away from us. Don't be like that kind of soil where it doesn't receive the seed immediately and the bird and the enemy comes down and robs you from that word. When God gives you a word, hold on to that thing like a bulldog holding on to a T-bone steak. I'm not letting go. I'm going to be tenacious. You can wrestle this thing away from me. I'm holding on to God's word. How many of you are holding on to God's word? Jesus said this, John chapter 10, verse 27. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Guys, there's going to be times when we're going to be confronted with our deepest fears and some, sometimes our deepest desires, and we've got to know that we're able to stay connected to his voice. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter how many storms are raging. It doesn't matter how weak or vulnerable you feel as long as you can listen to and hear and hang on to the word of God. 
What is God saying? That's going to get me through. Make it a priority to continually, regularly draw close to him. Tune out the outside noises and tune in the voice of the Holy Spirit. Tune in to the word of God. What is God? God, what are you saying to me today? You ever wonder? Then pick up your Bible. People want to hear the Holy Spirit speak to them. I just, been, I don't know. I can't hear the Holy Spirit. So how, many, how much time have you spent in God's word reading, studying the scripture, saying, God, reveal something to me here as I open up your word? Well, I haven't tried that yet. Well, you might want to try that. Any time of the day, it's right here. Go to the shelf. Go to your phone. Wherever you are, you can say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. I need a word from you today. We need to hear the voice of the Spirit, and it's going to take us quieting ourselves and waiting and listening for his voice. We've got to know his voice, but we also need to know his character. We need to know who God is. What is the character of of the person that's behind that voice. We've got to know and trust the character of God. The Bible reveals to us that every aspect of God's nature and character actually proves his trustworthiness. It it proves that we can put our trust in him. What are some, just a few, of God's character traits that help build our trust? One is this, God cannot lie. He cannot lie. When when Paul opens his letter to Titus, he introduces himself as, he says this in in, uh, in Titus chapter one, he says, I'm a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And you skip on down, he says, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Paul's telling Titus, hey, Hey, my credentials are based on the promises that are unshakable because they were made by a father who cannot lie. All that God has in him is truth. He's got no ability to lie. He's got no ability to mislead you. Therefore, everything that he says, everything that he does, you can fully trust. Now, I understand this aspect uh, of God's character and nature is sometimes hard for us to wrap our heads around because God cannot lie, but we know ourselves and we know the world that we live in, and it's, there's lies all the time. There's, there, there's misleadings all the time. There's deceit all the time all around us. And so, so you're like, man, can I really trust God? I mean, I don't know if I even trust myself. Can I trust God? Don't let your picture of God be skewed by the shortcomings that you know that are still present in your life, by the shortcomings of the world around you. God's not like up in heaven going to the angels, hey, check this out. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna give them this promise and they're gonna spend years of their life chasing this promise I'm gonna give them and it's not gonna happen. God's not doing that. I just wanted to mess with them for a little bit. No. 
One of the greatest disciplines of trust for us was we, we take our thoughts, we take them captive, because that's what 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us to do, and we, we require our imagination to line up with the truth of God's character. So God, well, I know what I know about me, and I know what I know about the, the world around me, and I may not be able to trust all that, but I'm going to not allow those things to affect what I think about you, God. I'm gonna believe your word. You're trustworthy, God. It's who you are. You're faithful to the end. You're faithful in every circumstance, God. It's who you are. You're unshaken. You're unchangeable. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I can trust you. The one who promised cannot lie. So it doesn't matter how many highs you have, how many lows you have, how many twists and turns that we experience in this process, we can trust his word to be true. Not only can God not lie, God is also a perfect father. We sang about that today. He's a good, good father. He's perfect in all of his ways. One of the signs that he is a perfect father is what Jesus taught about the father that he gives good gifts to his children. Luke chapter 11, Jesus said this, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Now, Garrett, let me ask you this. If you go to your dad and say, Dad, I need a fish. Is your dad going to trick you and give you a snake instead? No, he's going to give you a fish. You answered right. Good job. I was almost afraid that you are going to mess with me there. No, and so Jesus said, if you... You evil people, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? James chapter 117, every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You never have to mistrust anything that God gives you because he only gives good gifts. Now, sometimes they're not packaged in the way that we want them to be packaged, but we've got to trust him. Say, God, I trust you that this is going to be good, that in the end, the end result of this is going to be good, that it's going to draw me closer to you, that it's going to shape me more into, your care, into the character and the likeness of Jesus. God is also loving and kind. It's another part of his nature. It's another part of his character. Many people have this picture of God as just this, this angry, frustrated guy who's disappointed with us. And we think that, that God's got to be irritated with us because we're kind of irritated with ourselves sometimes. And it's difficult to fathom and it's difficult to accept sometimes that he really is as loving and kind as what the God's word says he is, especially when God is especially loving, loving and kind when we get in touch with our own brokenness. When we come to the place of humility is where we're going to see more often where God's, like, his lovingness and his kindness overwhelms us. When we respond to God's invitation to draw close to him, our capacity to see him and receive his love and kindness begins to grow, and his kindness and his love 
naturally build our trust. When you get to begin to know the kindness of God and the love of God, it will automatically build trust for God in your heart and in your life. Another character trait of God is that he is, to be, he is faithful to be with us. Deuteronomy 31, when God called Joshua to lead the Israelites out of wilderness into the promised land, he told Moses to give him this exhortation. He said this, verse six, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. There's gonna be situations, there's gonna be opportunities to build your trust in God, but some of those situations and some of those opportunities are gonna bring you to the point where you might wonder, is God even here? Does God even see me? Is he even close? Is he around? Is he anywhere to be found? But he is. He is. He is with you. He is for you. He is near to you. It doesn't matter if the circumstances shout to you, God's nowhere to be found. You're alone. You've got to figure this out by yourself. You have to be strong for yourself. No, God is near. Do not listen to the lie of the circumstances. Do not listen to the lie of the enemy. He's not abandoned you. He's not forgotten about you. The answer to that is, has he forgotten about me? Has he abandoned me? The answer is, there is nowhere that you can go where he's not with you. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can say that he doesn't know about. He sees everything. He's not missed one part. And he knows you better than you know yourself. And that's why you can trust him. Let's pray. Oh, God, you're so faithful. In you, there's no shadow of turning, God. We stand on the truth of your word. We thank you that you are a God who cannot lie. We thank you that your character is trustworthy, that you are faithful in every circumstance. When we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, God, you are with me. You're preparing a table for us in the presence of our enemies. You're with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. God, I'm gonna, we're going to be a people who trust your rod and who trust your staff, God. God, when the rod, when the staff doesn't seem necessarily always to be an instrument of love, God, we're going to, we're going to welcome it. So, yeah, God, guide us, lead us, direct us, nudge us. God, we want deep-seated trust in our hearts for you and who you are, what you say you will do. I just encourage you right here today, right where you are, to just go ahead and make a declaration 
out of your own heart, out of your own mouth. You can whisper it right there where you're sitting and just say, God, I trust you, and begin to just tell God what's going on. He knows already, but it's important sometimes for us to express that to God. Sometimes as we begin to express things, we get to find out there's some things in there that we didn't even know that were there. We felt about things uh, certain ways that we didn't even know that we felt about them. But as we get them out, we're being vulnerable with God and we're building intimacy and dependency. So go, go ahead right there where you are. Tell God that you trust him. And I just want to pray right now for those of you that are telling God that. I want to pray for all those who right now who need help from the Holy Spirit to trust God. Maybe the circumstances of life have beat you up one side and down the other. And you want to trust God, but you don't feel like you can. I'm letting you know now, Holy Spirit is there. He's present with you to change your paradigm, to bring healing to your heart. Wherever you're wounded, where you still have open wounds, he's come to bring healing to that. He's come to help you trust the Father. Lord, I just pray right now for all of us in this room. No matter where we are on our trust level with you, God, no matter where we are on this meter of trust, God, there's always room for more. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and help us build intimacy and dependency with God as we grow trust in him. And God, we say to you this, Lord, grow our roots deep in you. as we trust you more and more and more. God, I pray for those who feel like maybe they've, they've hit a wall, they've, they've stalled out in their growth in you. Lord, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, you begin to breathe new life. You begin to cultivate the soil of their heart, that you'd bring nutrients, God. You'd bring new relationships. You'd bring new words, Lord God. You would revive things that you've spoken to them before that maybe have, have passed and gone away, that you, they've let lay dormant. God, I pray that you bring life to those things again in the name of Jesus, that begin to trust you with those things again. And ultimately, God, at the end of the day, we, this is all about bearing fruit. God, we want to bear much fruit for your kingdom and much fruit that remains, that lasts, that makes an impact, that makes an impact for eternity. God, I thank you. You're doing that in us. You're doing that through us. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.